0: Good morning, my name's May, and today we are continuing our series How to Pray. And last week, Crystal started us off by talking about the importance of stillness and silence and centering in prayer. And she used the brilliant analogy of being out having dinner with a best friend or a partner and them arriving late were vomiting all about how awful their day was and then leaving in a rush again. The reason why we think that that scenario sounds like a terrible dinner date is because it's supposed to be a loving relationship. This is why today I'm talking about adoration because in this scenario and in any situation the next step to being present with someone you love is to express your love to them if anybody has ever read anything about the love languages or done the test you'll know that people express love in different ways like quality time words of affirmation gifts acts of service and physical touch we have different ways of making people feel loved and different ways that we feel loved And so you may have been in a friendship or a relationship where you've gone out of your way to make the person feel loved because your love languages don't necessarily match up. I know for me, for example, I really like words of affirmation. So if anybody wants to text me afterwards and tell me that they love my earrings, I wouldn't mind, just saying. But if we think about how we express our love to God, We can see that there are actually opportunities for us to use all of those love languages. We can spend time with him, experience him, praise him in worship and prayer. We can give our resources and time to his kingdom and cause. In fact, these things aren't optional extras. Spending time with God, experiencing and praising him is a necessary part of our relationship with God, adoration is a necessary part of worship. Way back at the end of May, Zach preached to us about the undignified and wholehearted nature of King David's worship to God. He said that worship begins with wonder, inspires our whole hearts and leads us on a process of transformation. This too is the journey of adoration, wonder, wholeheartedness, transformation. So if you're resolutely against the idea of being transformed, if you aren't prepared for your heart to be molded by God into something pleasing to him, then you aren't ready for adoration. If you are up for that, or if you're even curious, you're going to discover the goodness and richness and joy of adoring God. I was reading something recently that described Jesus as adorable. It took me aback. Adorable has become synonymous with cutesy, like a baby hedgehog wearing a top hat, which You should Google, by the way. You're welcome. But that does not seem appropriate to describe God. But actually, that's on us, because humanity has a tendency to water down language. And actually, the truth is that in the proper sense of the word, Jesus is the most adorable person who has ever walked the face of the earth. I really believe that when you know Jesus, when you really know the truth of who he is and what he has done, it's impossible not to love him. For who else can you say the same? I'm going to read from Psalm 103 and we're going to explore together what this illuminates for how we adore God. This psalm was written by David, most likely after God had forgiven him for the awful sins of adultery and murder, which Andy and James spoke to us about just last month. So as I read, you might want to read along, or maybe you just want to close your eyes and just listen. Let me pray. Lord, would you come, would you speak to us now? Would you illuminate your good character and turn our hearts to worshiping you? In your name, Jesus, amen. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord had established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord my soul praise the lord my soul this is what we are called to do love isn't love if it is never expressed in praise in the 1600s some of the brightest theological minds in britain got together to write a catechism which is a document that summarizes christian teachings and they did this in order to create greater unity between the Church of Scotland and the Church of England. They ended up with two catechisms, one for children and one for ministers. There's no way between so pick your side. The one for children, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, is laid out in a question and answer format so that it's easy to memorize. So you have great theologians needing to spell out the entirety of the Christian faith in a simple way. Where on earth would you start? Well, as any of you Presbyterians might know, the very first Q&A is, What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Our main purpose, according to the catechism, is to glorify and enjoy God. That's pretty significant. Do you enjoy God? Do you come away from your prayer time thinking, wow, that was enjoyable? I think. One of the reasons why Psalm 103 is one of the more well-known Psalms is precisely because it's clear that David enjoys praising God. So we enjoy reading it. This Psalm demonstrates just how much God is worthy of praise and it is rich and glorious in its descriptions and metaphors. And yet still, So many of us struggle with knowing how to do this ourselves. We're not all natural psalm writers. So, there are a few reasons why you might find adoration hard. And the first, and I'm going to break it down a little bit, but the first is that maybe you haven't thought about who God is. So it could be that you have a false understanding of God. It's pretty hard to adore God the megalomaniac or God who likes suffering or God who doesn't really care about you. But this is not who God is. Psalm 103 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. This is the God we worship. If Life is very difficult for you right now. It is important for you to know that adoration starts from a place of nothing, not a place of everything, not loving him because of all the stuff around us. Not all of us would be able to do that. That's thankfulness, which is also important, not least because it can increase our motivation for adoration but it isn't necessarily the same thing. Instead, we can begin to adore God like babies looking up at their mother with complete love and wonder because that is their mother, they're not cognizant of what they have or don't have. And maybe that's difficult for you because you're in a place of pain. And if that's the case, we wanna pray for you. There is prayer ministry available at the end. Or maybe you have a fragmented understanding of God. Perhaps if you're newer in your faith or haven't engaged a lot with scripture before, you've got a bits and pieces knowledge of God. Do you know the full extent of God's character? Psalm 103 says he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Instead, he operates out of his mercy, his patience, his love. In the New Testament, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, John writes that anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. It's that important to who he is. In fact, it's something that probably most of us will spend our whole lives understanding in new and deeper ways. So if you weren't sure of where God's love fits in, it's essential to his character and to how we understand everything else. As David shows in the writing of this psalm, expressing your adoration to God becomes a whole lot easier when you know the full picture. Or it could be that you've forgotten your understanding of God. Did you used to have a passion for God that has gone stale or dried up? Reverend Raniera Cantamalisa, preacher to the Pope stated, the greatest danger with God is for us to become accustomed to him, to fall from awe into routine. Do you relate to that? This is why I love that the Psalm, in the Psalm, praise the Lord, is a command found at the beginning and at the end of the psalm because that's how quickly we forget. We find the command to praise God twice at the beginning so that when you're skimming through on a Monday morning, you can ignore it once and then it maybe registers the second time. But then we spend 18 verses hearing about God's character. And just as we're beginning to forget what was happening at the beginning of the psalm, boom, We are told, all of creation is told to praise him repeatedly. When David says this command, he's saying it to himself just as much as anybody else. Do you need to tell your soul to wake up to praising God on a regular basis? So maybe you haven't thought about who God is and that's why it's hard. Maybe your understanding is false. Fragmented or forgotten. Or maybe you find practising adoration hard for a different reason. Maybe you haven't thought about who you are. God has made us all uniquely. The psalm reveals that God knows how we are formed and asks you to praise him with your inmost being, not someone else's. We all adore God in our own way. This is why I wanna encourage you to indulge in your weird side. And that's something I've got experience in. But what I really mean by that is this, what are the things of creation that God has predisposed you to love? What is it that you just can't help but love? Maybe it's walking up one of Edinburgh's hills and being out and about in nature. I've heard that some people even run up all the hills in a day, which sounds terrible to me. But whatever it is, and it could be totally different, there is power in taking the things we love and directing that feeling to the creator who brought those things into being. This is our point of wonder, the thing that turns our head to God. I found that a common thread running through these things is a lightness of being. Wonder isn't a heavy feeling. Adoration isn't meant to be a burden. It's a feeling of freedom in worship, release in prayer, playfulness in our actions, and peace in our silence. This is why I've written this week's prayer practice on playfulness, which Andy will explain more later, But I have found it to be a fresh and profound way of experiencing a loving relationship with God, where, as the Westminster Catechism says, we enjoy God as well as glorify him. And it may help you consider how you were formed and enable you to praise God with your inmost being. If you found yourself identifying with any of these stumbling blocks to adoring God, Don't panic because it's not even hugely surprising. Jesus tells us that the enemy of God seeks to kill and destroy. And if the enemy of God is going to target anything, it's going to be your capacity to love God. Why? Because Jesus tells us it is the single most important thing we will ever do in our whole lives. When asked in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, what the most important commandment is, Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So if all you needed today was just a reminder that this needs to be your priority, then here it is. Love the Lord your God. But if you're thinking, this is news to me or all oh, I, I don't think I realised how important this is, then don't feel overwhelmed or discouraged because the good news is that the Holy Spirit is here to help you. The psalm says that the Lord's love is with those who fear him and that couldn't be more true. The love isn't beside us or somewhere nearby in the next room. It's within us. In Romans 5, Verse 5, Paul writes that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. In his book, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster writes that worship is our response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. Its central reality is found in spirit and truth. It's kindled within us only when the spirit of God touches our human spirit. We can use all the right techniques and methods. We can have the best possible liturgy, but we have not worshipped the Lord until spirit touches spirit. This spirit-touching spirit moment sparks the journey from engaging your whole heart to transformation of the soul in the process of adoration. Take some time this week to adore him. Get to know his name. Get to know all the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit used in the Bible. There's lots of them. Enjoy his presence. Because how much better a scenario is this? Instead of rushing to the dinner table, ranting and leaving again, we sit down. We take a breath, we say the other person's name, we notice how beautiful they are. We notice other things in the room going on and it makes us laugh. And at the end, we come away treasuring that relationship. I'm gonna pray And I ask you to join me in expecting the Holy Spirit to move. So get yourself into whatever position you need. Minimise any distractions you can. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. That we may be receiving this prayer at different times, in different places. We are waiting upon you. May spirit touch spirit. We sit at the table with you, God, and we look at you with love. And we are in awe because you look at us in love. May we praise you, God, with our inmost being. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.